everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hi. Hey, guys. You. Hi. Hi. Hi, hi. What is new with you? Mm. Ooh, you're rhyming. I love it. Those, I'm in my, my, my rap feelings. <laughs> we can't rap Hamilton, We can't. <laughs> so I had to come up with original raps. <laughs> it's just as good. It's like I'm in the front row at Hamilton. <laughs> Um, the answer to your question, absolutely nothing is new. I just worked. It was a crazy night at work last night. It's been a crazy three nights, yes. And I'm just a little sleepy. This is my third margarita. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad for you. And I, here we are. I woke up not even three hours ago. So <laughs> I'm like, I came over and I was like, I'm tired and I haven't eaten in 15 hours. Don't give me alcohol. <laughs> what does she do? Brings you alcohol. She brings me alcohol. And a bag of chips. You're welcome. <laughs> and a bag of she chips. She took care of you. <laughs> she did. She did. And our food's on the way, so I'm sure I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Beckett, my son, came barging in at about 6.15 this oh, morning. Oh, no. And I told you how I've been in a real foul mood the last couple <laughs> yes. of days. And I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Go watch TV. I do something. Anything. He's already like, I'm so bored. And I was like, how long have you been up for? <laughs> Jeez, I have no idea. He's like, I, I don't. I just want to be with you, like trying to be sweet. And I'm like, get out of here. (laughs) I love you, but I'm so tired. I normally like strip off when I get in my garage out of my scrubs, and I didn't this morning for some reason because I was so tired. And I just went upstairs, and my kid comes out of the bathroom in my room and runs towards me. And I said, "Don't touch me! I have germs!" (laughs) And she like froze. She goes. You have germs? Yes. I was like, no, don't touch me yet. Big germs. (laughs) In case you're wondering when kids start sleeping in, it's 11. (laughs) Well, yeah, my teenagers sleep until like noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, she'll sleep in until 9.30 or 10. I remember those days. I know. I could sleep for like 16 hours a day. (laughs) I know, right? Now it's hard to sleep past eight for me in the morning. I know you guys are night shifters, so your hours are different, but... I go to bed at eight. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Boyson goes to bed a little bit earlier than me. I go to bed between like 3.30 to 5 a.m. And I wake up between noon and 2 p.m. We are just all over the place. We are. Whereas I go to bed between 8 to 9 a.m. And I wake up at 3.30. (laughs) I couldn't sleep last night. Um, I was watching a show called uh blacklist have you guys watched it yet i've seen a few episodes but i haven't watched all the way through i'm kind of into it but you know you have to be in the mood for like fake drama it's an all true crime drama (laughs) well i guess what i'm trying to say is i watch a lot of true crime documentaries and this is like fbi true crime stuff but obviously not real at all (laughs) you're like come on what how but i still can't stop watching it Anyways, the main character is Robert California from The Office. Yes, yes, mm. I knew that. And I cannot unsee it. It's He's challenging. He's so creepy in that show, too. I know, and he talks, though, the exact same way. I know. I think that's kind of him. <laughs> I think it's him, but like even like the mannerisms are kind of the same, so I'm having trouble getting past it. Every time I think of him, all I can think of is how he always addressed Andy, and he'd be like, Andrew. <laughs> 
I haven't watched TV <laughs> what? for probably two or three weeks. Why? I've just been watching YouTube. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. I was like, what are you doing in your time? For <laughs> watching. Even <laughs> even Mike and I are just watching YouTube. We together. Just tell me you're not watching toenails. No. I swear to God. So Mike and I have this guy that we watch, and it's so weird. I never thought I'd be into this, but it's this guy. His <laughs> handle on YouTube is Polecat. Three, two, four. You already lost me. (laughs) And so apparently there's a mod or, I don't know, something on GTA or Grand Theft Auto where you can be a police officer. And something my kid would watch. Okay. So he goes around and he's, he's, some days he's a a cop and he's pulling people over for doing stupid shit. And then some days he's the person doing stupid shit. Like running over the hookers in the sidewalk. That's my favorite thing to do. Usually, no, there's usually not any. And not any hookers involved in his videos. Oh. Um, they oh. just engage in a bunch of debauchery, and it's really <laughs> funny. Him and this other guy, what Muppet? Oh my gosh! I, I mean, this know. is what Beckett does. So you're all watching day. people play video games. <laughs> yes, that's what Beckett. Does. That is what we do. But it's so funny. And then, so what I've been into. That's and what my brother does too, and he's 32, <laughs> so I can see his future. <laughs> well, I used to make fun of Mike for it, but then he started watching it while I was just on my phone, and I was like, whatever, just turn whatever on. I'm not even watching the TV, but then I would be watching it, and I'm like, oh, that guy's actually kind of funny, and then I would request to watch it. But lately, I've been watching, have you heard of Tony Baker? Mm-mm. So no, Tony Baker, I'm not up on the YouTube scene. <laughs> Tony Baker, I'm only kind kind of there. Well, he hello. does animal voiceovers. Oh, so like animal videos that people just take all uh, the time, like nature videos, or just like, like animal, just, just a okay. video of a dog or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like just something random that some dog does, or just something something. He does voiceovers, and it is the funniest thing. So the night that we had a bad I storm, could get down with that. That and <laughs> um, the power went out. Before the power went out, Mike was already asleep because he can fall asleep when his head hits the pillow, but I've got severe insomnia. And so I have to watch things before my body will let me sleep. And so I was laying there and I was watching these voiceovers and I was trying so hard not to be loud and wake him up. And (laughs) all of a sudden, something really funny came up on these voiceovers of this... Uh, I think it's just this guy just voicing over these animal videos <laughs> and I just let out this loud laugh and he gets up. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll try and be quiet. But then <laughs> that just opened the floodgates. And so he laid back down and I was trying to like stifle my laughs, but I was laughing so like hard. Shaking I, was, I was <laughs> shaking. I, I, exactly I was shaking the do. bed. Silent laughter. That's exactly what I was bed. doing. <laughs> And so finally, I realized I was shaking the bed. He's like, honey, I was like, I'm so sorry. So I sat up on the side of the bed. I'm so sorry. And I was just laughing so hard. And then within 30 minutes, the power went out and he was up for the rest of the night. I was like, I'm sorry about that. He had to work the next day. <laughs> I mean, I got some shaking sleep. laughter from you many a time. <laughs> We should do one of the challenges, though. There are challenges. It's like a try not to laugh challenge, and I fail every time. Let's well, do one. Let's it. do one right now. Okay. I mean, pull it up. Maybe after we record our okay. or during dinner, Ooh. we're eating during dinner. Yeah. Well, I don't want to aspirate, but yeah, we'll <laughs> do one tonight. Yes. <laughs> So that's what I do with my spare time, and that's why I haven't been Netflixing or Huluing or Priming. 
Okay. I added a lot of things to my Netflix and Amazon Prime queue last night. <laughs> Sit there at work and I'm like, what do I want to watch on TV later? <laughs> I need some new recommendations, so. It's like the ultimate shopping cart because you don't have to pay for it. I mean, you're paying for it, but so you don't true. have to like, you're not adding charges. I've never tried this, adding them to adding my queue. Adding to your queue? Oh, no. girl. I just uh, fly my by the seat of my pants. Ridiculous. You gotta do it. I'm just like, what do I want to watch? I'll watch this. And then I watched the whole thing. I added a couple movies a series. and movie insurers. Movie insurers. Yes. Send them, send them my way. Right now I'm watching Blacklist with Robert California. The Stranger was really good on Netflix. <clears throat> okay, I'll check that out too. The, like a uh, British series. It was good. Only one season. Mm, that makes me mad. I know. No, <laughs> I but like struggle. it tied everything up at the end of the first oh, okay. season. Like I think it's okay. supposed to only be like one season. Okay. Kind of remind me of The Center a little bit. Oh, before I, I went on either. my YouTube rage, I watched Lock and Key. Did you guys oh, watch that? Lock that? and Key. I've seen that. It's good. I've it was seen, so good. Yeah. I think my kids and I watched it. Yeah, we watched yeah. that together. It was good. We binged it. Yeah. I liked it. I hear they're coming out with a season two. Cool. Yeah, we didn't finish the whole first season, so I'll go back. I'll revisit. You revisit. <coughs> I will revisit. <coughs> That's something in my throat. Sorry. That was a perfect Chewbacca time. No, you Here cleared your throat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got ready to do it, and she already <laughs> shot me down. Build it back up. You can't do it. <gasps> no. Nope. I told you you can't do it. <laughs> She shoots my dreams down. I told you you would fail. <laughs> she kept talking to herself last night while she was working. Like, I'm sitting next to her, and I'm seeing patients. I'm charting. I'm doing all this stuff. I was running around like crazy. And she's just sitting here doing her, like, you know, manager stuff. And she keeps going, I'm not a manager. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> doing her stuff. And she's, like, mumbling under her breath. And she goes, oh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> very important stuff. And she goes, is it bothering you? I'm like, no, it's kind of funny. <laughs> You're just talking to yourself. I was I was in the department the other day mm-hmm. in one of the rooms, and she she walks by and peeks her head in and goes, I thought I heard your voice from out there. <laughs> I was just, I was going around, I was stalking things, I was like... I hear something that sounds really familiar, and then I turn around, and I was like, this is a black cart that I feel like looks really familiar to me, but I can't place it, and then I look in this room, and I was like, that's Sarah, hi, how are you? I've seen you at work once, and it was like, it made my day. I was like, oh, hi. I never get to see you guys, ever. Well, I get to see her, I think, a little bit more often, but I never see you, I feel like. No. Let's spin that wheel. Oh, we haven't even said what we're doing. We're doing true crime, y'all. This week we're doing a true crime. All true crime. All true, the time. true crime. True 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 crime image. True, true crime. crime. Nope. Found myself on that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm never in on the, the, the vocals. Sorry, I saw Kitty outside. I got distracted. You always do. Yeah, yes, that's true. All right. We're ready to do our true crime, true crime edge, true crime edge. I'm so excited. Uh, Are uh, you ready? That was weird. No, <laughs> so excited to talk about murder. Are you ready for me to spin the wheel? Yes. Ready. I mean, I'm emotionally. I am not ready. This week's gonna be your week. I can feel it. I don't feel it. <laughs> she laughs. <laughs> She's already laughing. <laughs> God, that is okay. so loud. This is just such a fun game we play every week. I love it so much. Um, Sarah, if you could please go first. <laughs> oh, me! <laughs> oh, I'm going to kill you. Oh, me! What? Oh, is it me this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I never get to go last. I hate everybody. 
I don't know what you did to this wheel. (laughs) But put a hex on that wheel. Hex, Hex, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I remember. But remember how I have horrible luck. This past week when we went ghost hunting, guess who won a raffle prize? Guess who broke her ankle tripping down the (laughs) one stair? (laughs) Why do you got to bring me down? I had one piece of good luck in my life. I I won a $25 gift card, okay? To the Cracker Barrel. (laughs) They got some good breakfast. Don't hate on the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Gonna get me some breakfast. <laughs> Haters. <laughs> was, was it worth a busted ankle? That's the question. <laughs> no, it was not. That image is burned in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to wait for that episode. Uh, to hear the story. Coming soon. Of these jerks. <laughs> to be fair... She got to watch Sarah go down the stairs so she knew they were there. I demonstrated how to do it properly. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got to see it unfold. (laughs) And then I panicked. I didn't know what to do. Oh, I cannot wait for this episode. I hate. I need new friends, guys. I'm going to pull up the calendar to let you know when this is going to come out. (laughs) If somebody wants to be my friend, please email us at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Listen, you would have laughed at me, You must have the same name. I need two people, and you must have the same name as each other for convenience sake. October the 4th is when you're going to want to listen to this episode. You're going to need to, to hear the full deets of the broken ankle. That is a long place away. Man, that is... Oh, while away. Okay. Have you used your Cracker Barrel gift card? I have not because I've been working the past three nights. I plan on it. Me and my husband are going to have a lovely little breakfast date, okay? Happy for you. First off, I didn't know what gift card I was getting. It was in an envelope. You got to pick, I got to pick, but I didn't know which one was which. So I opened the envelope. I'm like, oh, the Cracker Barrel. I haven't been there in five years. But I'll go there again in the next 50 years. Once I'm retired. <laughs> Once you're retired. Sit in their little rocking chairs. There. Sit in their little rocking chairs with the little triangle game they got going on and Ooh, the big checkers. Play some Listen. checkers by the fireplace. Yep. I just thought of something. Some maybe, wine. maybe you can use it in the in the front <laughs> gift shop part. Maybe. They have a lot of toys in there. <laughs> Or maybe I'll just get it to go so I don't have to sit in the atmosphere. I don't know. I mean, TBH, they do make a mean biscuit. They make good breakfast food. They're pretty good. I'm a big biscuit fan myself, though. Or first watch. But I do love the big biscuit. Yes. It's hard to ruin a bunch of flour and then if you slap some butter on it. Well, that's true. Butter and oil. I don't like their gravy that much. <laughs> oh, I don't need the gravy. It's I usually get the, uh, the shrimp. That's what they call it. The, of course you get the shrimp. popcorn shrimp. Yep. <laughs> and then Mike gets the dumplings because <coughs> there's no G on the end. Yeah. I'm dying it's over dumplings. here. <clears throat> it's like when I say hunting, like you got a hunting gun. You don't add the G on. Yeah. So you go hunting, but you take a hunting gun with you. No, you go hunting. <laughs> hunting. A hunting we will go. A hunting we will go. Hi ho the Cheerio. Do either of you know the Hi ho the Cheerio. Hunting will go. I just didn't know if we were going to keep going with it or not. I thought it was hi ho the Dario. No. I have the Cheerio. No, the Dario. Dario. Damn it. I think it's dairy. I thought it was Cherry. <laughs> no, hi ho Cheerio is a game. Well, I know that. <laughs> Uh, maybe it is Dario. Hi ho, the Dario. Yep, yep. you're is right. D A I R Y. The next one is 
<laughs> we'll catch you? a fox and put him in a box. No. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? That ri- I mean, we're not rhyme. What do you go think you're the- hunting when you're <clears throat> going hunting? Uh, you got to catch and release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only for fishing. That's that's how I hunt. <laughs> you catch you hunt? No. Okay, <laughs> was like. I hunt fish and I catch and release. No, I, no, we, we, <clears throat> we eat the fish. We have a big mm-hmm. fish fry after we go fishing. Mike doesn't eat fish, so we never catch. I don't eat keep. them either, but everybody else does. <laughs> I actually really like fish, but I don't like to catch them. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, we got way off topic. So sorry. We're here for true crime. Also, Sarah's going first. I don't know how I got into <laughs> an asthma attack. Full on asthma how, did attack. The, how did we get here? Because we talked about how I never went Cracker Barrel. And Cracker Barrel <laughs> gift card. <laughs> Hunting and fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Okay. And now we're back. Okay. I'm taping. I'm taping. I'm taking us to Boydston's favorite country this week. Australia. Australia. I love Australia. I started trying to commit to the accent, and then I knew I couldn't. So. Wait, time out. Did we get an Australia mm. listener? Don't be offensive. Yeah, a while ago. I think so, yeah. Oh, yay. We just one. One in the whole country. Listen, Linda, this is old news, and... Where have you been? Don't call me I Linda. I screenshotted it. I screenshotted it. <laughs> oh, that's it right. And sent it, because we were all very excited, or at least two of us were. <laughs> I was probably Apparently sleeping. one of us doesn't care. <laughs> probably sleeping. <laughs> Doubt it. You just don't care. Oh my goodness, I care. I mean, if Sarah sent it, then you weren't sleeping. I... Yeah, so we're going to talk about a crazy, crazy lady named Catherine Knight. Are there a few familiar with her? I am not. Question, is she the first female... Yes. Okay. The first female. The first female what? (laughs) Um, Serial killer incarcerated in Australia. She, I think you're on to something. She wasn't a serial killer, as first far as I know. First female. She was the convicted first. Convicted of murder. First, first female, female that did something bad. We'll cover it. Okay. I got you. You were really stuck <laughs> on the first female part. You're on to something there. I know, I know parts of things, but not all the things. <laughs> well. <laughs> well that be my slogan? I know parts of things. <laughs> nope. I claimed it because I said it first. Not all the things. But not all the things. She's also known as the female Hannibal Lecter. Ooh. If that gives you any hint. I still her, haven't heard of her, but I'm excited. Horrendous crimes, though, that are about to come. Catherine had a very complicated and dysfunctional family environment. Her mother, Barbara, what did I say? Ruffin? Ruffin? <laughs> I already forgot how I pronounced it. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> we found a crack world between then and now. Yeah, so. I know how my brain got cramped. Ruffin. Let's just say Ruffin. Ruffin. She was married to a man named Jack Ruffin. Makes sense. They lived together in a small town of Aberdeen and New South Wales Hunter Valley. I'm assuming that's in Australia. Good work. I just had a stroke. They had four sons together. Uh, Barbara had an affair with a co-worker and a friend of her husband. His name was Ken Knight. The Ruffin and Knight families were well known. And Aberdeen was a pretty conservative town. So obviously they didn't really like the fact that those two were having an affair. Uh, so Ken and Barbara, <laughs> Ken and Barbie, I just got it. <laughs> I don't think they were as lovable. Maybe. Uh, they were forced to leave and move to another town called Moree. Forgive me, Australians, if I butcher the pronunciation. Doing my best. <laughs> All right. So when they moved to Moree, none of her sons moved with her. Actually, two of them stayed with their father and the other two were sent to be raised by their aunt in Sydney. No clue why. Seems a little bizarre, but mm-hmm. to each their own. Ken and Barbara had four more children, including a pair of twin girls who were born in 1955. Catherine Knight 
was the younger of these twin daughters. Okay. Her father was an alcoholic, that's kin, and uh, openly used violence and intimidation to rape his wife multiple times a day. Scumbag. Yep. Remember when you said, oh, I wonder if they're like Ken and Barbie. Yeah. yeah. So I said, they're not as lovable couple. <laughs> no. You don't know what Ken and Barbie well, were like true. behind closed doors. They might have <laughs> problems. I think they actually did. I don't know. <laughs> Why are you trying to ruin childhood dreams? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barbara would tell her daughter's intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex and men. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw this one out there too. It's pretty graphic and explicit as we go on. Once you said As Hannibal Lecter, I kind yeah. of thought it might be. <laughs> Once we decided to do another true crime episode, I decided it might be graphic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tend to go that direction. I'm not real sure why. Mm. All right. Catherine claims to have been sexually assaulted by many members of her own family until she was about 11 years old. Those were never really confirmed, but that's what she says. So I'm sure it probably doesn't help her background. Uh, growing up, she did not have many friends and was known as a loner and a bully in high school. She eventually left school at 15. At 16, she started a dream job. This is in quotes. So I'm sure it was for her. It may not be my dream job, but let me just explain it here. She got a dream job cutting up awful. O-F-F-A-L. I had to look it up. It's the uh, entrails or internal organs from an animal used for food. Yeah. So like a butcher. Okay. She's basically a butcher, but it was specific for those organs That's at the local slaughterhouse. Sure. At 16. Sure, That's, sure. That is not my dream job. <laughs> she was quickly promoted to boning, which made me giggle because <laughs> I'm 13. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people's dream jobs. What do you do for a life? I'm a boner. <laughs> I'm into boning. <laughs> I'm a professional boner. So many jokes. <laughs> Somebody did not think that job title through. (laughs) So I'm typing it like, haha, boner. Director of boating. (laughs) (laughs) Master boner. Head boner in charge. Okay, sorry. Now you guys are offending Australia. (laughs) I'm assuming it has something to do with like deboning. I think so. I don't work. Oh, good job. I don't work in the slaughterhouse, but I'm assuming. That was very rude. (laughs) Well, you think? Listen, like I said, taking applicants for new friends, new friends, (laughs) tipsyghost at gmail.com, say, I want to be Lindsay's friend. (laughs) Once she was promoted to professional boner, she was given her own set of butcher's knives. She hung these knives over her bed. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's like a dream catcher. (laughs) (laughs) For her, it probably was. (laughs) Her dream job. Her dream utensils. (laughs) Maybe, I mean, I'm going to look at the other side. Maybe she felt safe because you said she had been assaulted throughout her childhood. So maybe she was like, this makes me feel safe. I have these knives above my bed if someone comes in. Well, then I hope she hung them with the handles down so that if she had to reach up, then... They were ready to go. Yeah, so, yeah. You don't have to reach up and over. It's my Hufflepuff heart coming out. You know, I'm not really sure. It didn't specify. So come to your own conclusions, I suppose, about why she hung them up. But she continued to do this as she moved from house to house. This was always a thing that she did. Hung her knives above her bed. My conclusion is dream catcher. (laughs) Dream catcher. (laughs) The the knife dream catcher. (laughs) Uh, She did this because she quoted she's quoted as saying they would always be handy if she needed them so there you go Yay! <laughs> one for Lindsay. she is 
really good at patterns. Let me show you. Let me show you a few things. I told you she she hangs these butcher's knives up. Butcher's right. knives. Butcher knives up on her in her room. That's pattern number one. So she also has a pattern for men. Hmm. Let me explain. Okay. <laughs> You'll see. She, uh, she married a man named David, David Kellett, in 1974. At the wedding, Catherine's mother told David, quote, You'd better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. What? Not her own daughter. <laughs> that poor um, man. <laughs> is this foreshadowing? I wrote, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> it's not. That's not a good sign at all at the wedding. And it gets worse. So on their wedding night, Catherine tried to strangle David. Uh, later, she said it was because she'd heard stories from others, like coworkers or friends, about how their men would be able to go all night long on their wedding night. But David was only able to have intercourse three times, which, what? Three times in one night? I'm like, Why that's pretty good, right? I feel and like that's were... pretty good. Why would you want your vagina to go all night? <laughs> she wanted to go all night, and she was pissed that he couldn't, so she strangled his ass. Or tried to, but he survived. The rest of their marriage was pretty violent. As if that wasn't a good enough foreshadowing. On one occasion, she hit him across the head with a frying pan. Oh my gosh. Because she was mad when he arrived home late after playing darts. He ran to the neighbor's house and was eventually treated for a skull fracture. Oh, jeez. No big deal. She's a pretty tough one. She's very violent. They ended up having a child together. Good idea. Saves marriages, yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, but he left shortly after she was born for another woman, which I mean, can I blame? I mean, he was being abused. <laughs> Literally, yeah, it was awful. She checked herself into a hospital for postpartum depression and was there for several weeks. Once she was released, she took her two-month-old baby and placed her on the railroad tracks. Mm. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Baby's okay. Just head. Okay, okay. Then stole an axe and threatened to kill several people. She was arrested. But went back to the mental health hospital and checked herself out the next day. I think she also had prepartum depression. (laughs) (laughs) That's just called depression. Crazy C-A-B, crazy ass bitch. Yeah. Our first first man, David. The dad, right? He's the dad of the baby. He's like... I, I gotta, I gotta leave. I can't deal with this. So did he take the kid? He uh, left. I was wondering. I don't know. I don't know. She Let's has, say that he did. She he took has the kid. litters okay. of children as Give me this a time happy goes litters. On. Yes. Okay. Copious amounts of children. Copious. <laughs> okay. I use those words when it comes to snot and vaginal discharge. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Uh, it's because they don't have an exact number. I just know there's a whole bunch of them. And I will never be able to look at that word the same again. <laughs> I have copious sure. amounts of discharge. It, and just for the record, that's for patients, not for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Thank yeah. you for clarifying. <laughs> What the hell? Why is she sharing this? <laughs> I just felt the need to clarify. <laughs> <It's> probably good. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> Boy, those three margaritas were great. <laughs> so what happens when she gets tipsy and drunk? She overshares. I love it. No, that was not sharing. <laughs> that was clarifying. That was clarification. <laughs> I think the oversharing was saying, I only use that word in regards to snot and vaginal discharge. <laughs> but not my own. Basically, when it comes to secretions okay. out of orifices. Okay. But got not it. yours, others. Got this it. It's all very disgusting. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Where was I? Okay, here we are. <laughs> where are we? Get us or, back. She met another man named, you guessed it, 
David. Oh, Ooh, she's got a pattern for the name David. Here we go. Uh, here we go. This okay. one is David <laughs> Saunders. They met in 1986. Uh, at first, things were great, and he moved in fairly quickly with Catherine and her daughters. Uh, so, Dad didn't take the kid. Okay, thanks right. for crushing my dreams. That's what I'm saying, though. She's got a couple kids, and I don't, know who's, <laughs> I don't know whose kids are with who. Copious amounts Copious of children. Amounts of men and children. <laughs> I'll never say that word again in my presence. <laughs> Getting bad mental imagery. Uh, <laughs> children just dripping out of her. <laughs> Walk, they're walking out at this point. They're secreting from her orifices okay we can never go to australia now thank you listeners i'm so sorry (laughs) i am sure australia is not a fan of this woman either so i'm sure they are in agreement okay Okay. with what we're saying i mean this is only beginning i'll trust horrific things okay so david saunders they he moved in with her things were great at first but he realized pretty quick that she's a little a little bit out of her mind so he moved out pretty quickly after he moved in and I wrote in my notes, probably because he realized she's crazy AF. So that's an important point right there. Uh, oh <laughs> she would goodness. repeatedly beg him to come back, uh, but made it pretty hard for him to love her. Mm-hmm. Once she showed him what she would do if he ever had an affair, and he, uh, she slit his puppy's throat <gasps> in front of her. No, no, no. I listen. Just yeah. for future reference, animals. I, I know. refuse... Mm-hmm. To listen to anything about animal That's cruelty. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. This is why she's a Hannah's B. And oh. then the, the the they took the puppy to an animal hospital Oops. and it survived. Yes. Okay. Go. Go ahead. In your mind, sure. Okay. Um, I'm also believing that the kids are all safe and sound and not living in this hellhole. It's mm-hmm. pretty tough, guys. Um. So for some reason, this David he decided to stay with her. Probably because she's an abuser, I guess. And they ended up having a daughter named Sarah. Oh course all right they bought a house together she (laughs) found this interesting she decorated it with things like animal skins skulls horns rusty animal traps leather jackets old boots machetes rakes and pitchforks were they up to date on their tetanus shots (laughs) not sure (laughs) i'm very concerned about this (laughs) rusty rusty not found at bed bath and beyond i'm pretty sure Everything um, was pleather. It was fine. <laughs> oh, the lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> and the knives. Don't forget the knives. The knives over the bed. bed. Yes. We got in, that. In the dream catcher form. <laughs> uh, okay. They would continue to have pretty aggressive fights. Shocker. Mostly consisting of her beating the ever-living crap out of him. <laughs> During Jeez. one of their battles, she hit him in the face with an iron and stabbed him in the stomach with scissors. Oh, my gosh. Sure. He eventually got the hell out of there. Good for him. Yeah. She had another child. No. No. With, no, a, no. with a different man named John Chillingworth. But Not David? No. So this is the second pattern of hers. This was John. She had a, um, a child with. Now we're on a John. Okay. <laughs> now we're on a John. But they never married, and she left him for another man named John. John Price. John Price is where we're going to stick for a while. So. Sticking with John. We're sticking with John. I feel like I've heard this story. You probably have. I haven't, and I'm <laughs> so sad. <laughs> very messed up. Uh, John Price, he was a very nice guy, and he was a father of three. He claimed that his children liked Catherine, so he was willing to let her move in, despite her violent history, which he already claimed to know about before she moved in. So that's pretty risky when you know that somebody is like beating the crap out of their exes, and you're like, okay, come on in with me and my kids. 
1998, they got into an argument because John didn't want to marry Catherine. That really just triggered her and pissed her right off. I mean, she's been married how many times by now? And Twice before. Beat all of her men. <laughs> Away, yes. Yeah. It's <clears throat> a smart choice. As a form of retaliation, she videotaped some items that he had taken from work and sent it to his boss. These items, apparently it was like $20 worth of an expired medical first aid kit from his job. And so she got pissed and videotaped it, sent it to his boss. Um, and his boss was like, I'm sorry, I have to fire you because of this. So they fired John. For expired items? That he stole from work. Oh, yeah. Stealing is bad. Yeah. It is. It's very bad. It was a total of $20 worth. Oh, okay. And she was just being petty AF. She was mad. Yeah. They wouldn't marry her. A few months later, uh, they rekindled the relationship. No. But he refused to let her move back in this time. Good. They continued to have tons of fights, and he decided to go ahead and take out a restraining order against her to protect himself good. and his children. I feel like I'm on an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, you're about good. to go. You're no. about to go. Good. Falling no. <laughs> towards the ground here in a few minutes. It, there's no murder yet, so I know it's coming. <laughs> he told his coworkers if he doesn't show up to work the next day, it's because Catherine murdered him. Oh, foreshadowing. He, I like he those knew. are famous last words. He never knew. say that, people. True crime podcast. And I feel so bad for him because like, he did what he thought he could do. He was trying to do the right things. He went to the police and got his restraining order. But yeah. shit, that pissed her off more. <clears throat> Yeah. His friends and coworkers, they begged him not to go home. They were like, oh, please don't. She's crazy. She will hurt you. Um, but he was afraid that she would kill his children. Right. Aww. He's got kids at home. I if he didn't, didn't get go. it, yeah. So Catherine showed up at the house that night. They had sex, and then he fell asleep. She did this all as a... He had sex with her? <laughs> yes. He's a man. I mean... She is a very manipulative lady. Apparently For having all those kids, I that's mean... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know. I know this is going to come as a shock, but Catherine kept a butcher's knife in her bedstand. No. She kept knives in addition In addition to her yeah. dream catcher. Dream catcher of knives. Uh, and for some reason, that night after this all happened, maybe it was the restraining order, but something triggered her and she completely lost her shit. Uh, she proceeded to stab John 37 times. And according to blood evidence, they can tell that John tried to fight back. Um, and that he also tried to escape. So apparently the blood patterns show him going down the stairs and they could even see blood on the door. That he was trying to escape. But hard. he eventually passed out and died from blood loss. Right. <clears throat> Damn it, Catherine. Yeah. I wrote this here. It's kind of, this part is a little bit out of order. But she, Catherine, took a bunch of pills. Nobody is really sure why. We'll kind of get into that here in a minute. But maybe it was trying to kill herself. Maybe it was just to put on a show and make it look like she did. Who really knows? Like we mentioned, she's very manipulative there. So when John didn't show up to work the next day, his co-workers did what he told them to do. They called the police because they feared that Catherine had killed him. So police arrived at the house at around 8 a.m. the next morning. They knocked, but no one answered the door. So they looked through the mail slot on the front door. Mm. All they could see at that time was a giant curtain or blanket hanging, and that was blocking the view. After nobody answered, they entered the house. They immediately noticed that there was blood just everywhere, all over the floors and the walls, and you can't not see that. I mean, it's right there. One of the officers is going towards the curtain. They try to slide the curtain over with their hand and forearm. When they do this, they move this curtain to the side. They look down and realize their hand and arm is just completely covered 
in blood. So naturally he looks up. No. And when he looks up, he realizes it's not a curtain. No, it's it's a body. It's skin. Oh, she's skin. Skin out. curtains. It's a no, skin. That's a skin phrase I never need to know. Hanging from meat hooks oh. attached to the door frame. God damn it, Catherine. So after they slid this uh, skin curtain over, they basically walked into a torso that was on the floor. Um, the torso had no head. The head was missing. Oh. Oh. Right. Hmm. So here we go. We're on a wild ride. Do we? Okay. I'm, I'm We've here. We've been on You're a here. wild ride. <laughs> They're seeing just blood literally everywhere, like I talked about. They decide to go ahead and walk into the kitchen where they found plates of food that looked like they were being prepared for a meal. Oh, no. It's, it's flesh. They continued searching the house. They went upstairs and they heard somebody snoring. Remember I said Catherine took pills? Catherine was on the bed sleeping. Oh, of course, because why shouldn't you be able to sleep right now? <laughs> she was unresponsive, though, so the police... I didn't understand this part, but they carried her to the back lawn? I don't know what they did there, but they took her outside. Maybe they were trying to get her out of the house. Maybe at that time they didn't know. Away from our dream catcher? <laughs> Away from her weapons, yeah. They may not have known. Maybe they thought she was hurt. I have no idea, but they carried her outside. Okay. Okay, okay when they go back in, though, they walk through the kitchen, and they found... Our friend John, darn it, his head was in a pot on the stove. Mm, yeah. It had been cooking for stew. So she had cooked up parts of his body and served it with a baked potato and some sides of vegetables. Did she eat it? They're not sure. So it looked like they could see a big chunk of his like shoulder missing. They're assuming that she cut it and sliced it up into different meat pieces. And cooked it. Mm, did she feed it to the children? Yeah, were the children there? She was there? planning on it. Okay. So at each place setting was a name card with each of their children's names. Oh so my she goodness. had planned on serving him. Where have I heard this? To the children. My nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> but she just fell asleep instead. She took the pills. So there's a lot of like weird things that went on. They know obviously that John's dead. They're pretty sure right. she did it, but the timeline's a little weird. They said that based on like the evidence, the blood evidence and the autopsy coroner's report that they can tell that once she killed John, she showered, changed, took his wallet and then took money out of the ATM. They, he, she took a thousand dollars out and they still could not find that money. So they have no idea what she did with it. They think maybe she was planning on burying it somewhere or maybe she did bury it somewhere so that when she escaped or fled that she could use that money. But she never fessed up to what happened to that money. After this happened, she was in a coma for four days after her pill overdose. When she woke up, surprisingly, she had no memory of what happened. Mm. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> It's very convenient. <laughs> Eventually, she had a few things come back, you know. She claimed that she killed him because of the long string of abuse that, that she, she inflicted was experiencing from him, even though they were never <laughs> able <Bullshit>. to <laughs> substantiate her claims. Her own brother came out and said that she told him she's going to kill John and get away with it because she's going to act crazy. Okay, well, success. You don't tell people that before that you do is it. Exactly it's what she premeditation. That's what that's called. <laughs> Initially, she pleaded not guilty, but about halfway through the trial, she changed it to guilty. Yeah. Uh huh. The judge smart. had a feeling. They, she, the judge was smart about the whole thing. He knew what she was going to try to do. She was going to try to appeal the case 
and say that she pled guilty because she was insane at the time when she pled guilty. So that they would have to throw the case out. I was going to say, I <clears> bet <throat> she was trying to do not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah, she switched though. And she, apparently she did that on, on purpose. So oh. she could say that she was insane when she switched it to guilty halfway through. And then they'd have so to it wouldn't throw hold it out. Up. And, yeah. And Got it. Do it again. Okay. Yeah. Like she was not in the right mental state the whole time. But she knew exactly what she was doing. Psychiatrist evaluated her though and stated that. She knew exactly what she was doing the time of the crime that mm-hmm. we talked about. Yeah, sounds like it. She knew exactly what she's doing the entire time she's yeah been beating these men. <laughs> she she um, put on a show, though, for everybody there. She started acting crazy, in quotes, what she perceived was crazy. Mm-hmm. So she would scream randomly at the top of her lungs and rock back and forth and try to just look wildly around the courtroom so that they would think that she was insane um everyone there though knew that she was manipulating the system and acting the judge was not having any of it and determined that she would get life in prison without the possibility of parole and this is what you were trying to think of i think she was the first woman in australia to get that sentence life in prison without the possibility yeah there you go so there are still some things that are unclear Catherine refuses to talk about any of it number one why did she leave the house what was the reason was she trying to flee i don't know she was cooking stew at home when she left, what'd she do with the money? Nobody knows. 2006, she had tried to appeal her case, saying that her sentence was too severe for her crime. Okay. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> you made meat curtains out of a guy. That's not good. She I literally, know. like, tried to feed him to her children. Right. Like, To no. his children. And to his. <laughs> Girlfriend is cray. Um, obviously, they rejected this, and they were like, shut the hell up. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> no, thanks for checking, but no. Um, no. <laughs> Sit down, Catherine. <laughs> Catherine, turn around. All right. So Catherine tries to put on a good face, though, in prison. She attends church and sings in the women's choir. And obviously, she's no- I mean, she's known as the bitch in charge, HBIC. Is she the HBIC? She's the HBIC I bet in she prison. Is. Um, and she calls the shots. I am not throwing, throwing away, away my shot. shot. <laughs> Just like my country, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I am not throwing away my shot. Can you guys find something different? <laughs> Did you set us up for that on purpose? No, oh. but it was perfect. No. Finally, I got in on the absolutely. It's not the musical. <laughs> I want to show you a picture of her because this is not somebody you would picture as an HBIC. Just in my mind, anyhow. She kind of like timid looking. <laughs> oh, she's. Not tough looking at all. She looks like hmm. like a fun fun aunt or a fun mom. She is not. No. She sucks. Well, no, I know she. <laughs> I heard a very she detailed She is the worst. Thank you, Catherine. You're the worst. Rot there. Rot there away. Goodbye. Bye, Catherine. Okay. Female Hannibal Lecter. Nailed it. Loved it. In Strong as work. creepy way Thank as you. possible. <laughs> I did not like the meat curtains or the eyeballs or the, the boiling Just of the head. Just up. Joke about meat curtains on the podcast if you want to listen to our podcast at the Tipsy Ghost. We do talk about meat curtains, but it was legitimate it's meat curtains. It's typically slang for vaginal lips that are particularly pronounced. Okay. I <laughs> what did that. I say? Long and hangy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have not seen a lot of meat curtains because I'm not a nurse. <laughs> Oh, trust me, burns into your memory. <laughs> that was good. Really enjoyed that. I'm so glad. Particularly because it was from Australia. I thought you might like that. I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I liked it. It was very disturbing. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know. I know. Yeah, everyone knows what and I mean when you. I say that. It was interesting. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Boyd, so should you just go next or are we going to actually spin this thing? <laughs> no, let's try it. Let's try. I really enjoy this game. I go last. It's going to be three for three. <laughs> I can't tell by your expression. Well, your streak is over. <gasps> I get Yay! Yay! Oh my gosh, guys. I'm so excited. Are you? It doesn't sound like it. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really good. <laughs> Guys. Tone Deaf Kelly. <laughs> we talk about this. I purposely <laughs> sing Tone Deaf like that. Or is it on purpose? Yes, it's not me actually singing. Oh. We did a road trip this weekend and she refused to sing. Because I normally. know that they're waiting for it. <laughs> normally. I said we're going to Sweden, right? Oh, yes. Going to Sweden. I don't think either of us yeah, have been yeah. to Sweden yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they say. They do, because yeah, I actually yeah. listened to an interview with this guy, and he would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My stepfather is Norwegian. We're going to talk about a bank robbery in 1973 in Sweden, more specifically in Stockholm. Oh, okay. That led to a hostage situation. And what can you guys think of that has to do with hostages that has the word Stockholm in it? <coughs> Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. We're going to talk about the origin of the We the same vocal tone and everything. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the story behind Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, cool. All right, okay. let's hear it. So I said this is my Hufflepuff story because nobody gets killed. So, <laughs> just taken hostage and we're, we went down real low and depressing for Sarah's. We're coming up for mine. So I, just, I don't know what's going to happen. You're, we're going to plummet to the depths of hell. <laughs> okay. So now we managed just to laugh a lot during. Yes. So it's fine. Okay. So Stockholm Syndrome. So this is the story about it. So this is the story. How on August, August 23rd, 1973, a tall, muscular man entered the credit bank and bank wearing makeup, a wig, and sunglasses. Female wig, I should say. Okay. He pulled out a machine gun, fired around at the ceiling, and shouted in a fake American accent, The party has just begun. The party has just begun. <laughs> I was going to say, I would love to Rude. hear Rude, why are you making Amer- a fake American accent? <laughs> I was Let's... trying to get into it. <laughs> no, him. The not party's you. just getting started. So. It's hey, a real American accent. Oh. The credit bank. trying to be fake. Okay. The, is it bacon? Credit bank and bank. Ba- <laughs> bacon bank. K R E D I T B A N K E N. Credit bunkin. Sarah! I feel like it's probably be accurate. Credit bunkin bank. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it in that accent. It's probably you're right. Credit bunkin. Or, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Can you try it in the next? <laughs> no, because you guys have both already been offensive. <laughs> Credit bonk and bank. <laughs> oh, God, sorry. <laughs> I was boyfriend hitting her mic, not me. Uh, here, here, I'm going to text my stepdad and say, you please pronounce this? So, it was send on, me a voice recording. It was in the major square in Stockholm, so it was a big area, very popular area. <laughs> I feel like we need to resolve this before I can start my story back up. Go for it. Uh, I will. It will be a minute. Okay. What time is it over there? 
Well, they're they're at the Lake of the Ozarks right now. <laughs> Why are they here? My, my stepdad. Lives it's so with beautiful, my mom. Norwegia. Norwegia. Norway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Let the record show that was not Lindsay who mispronounced it. We are so cultured. I I have well been drinking traveled. since I woke up this morning, this afternoon. Which Norwegia? Should... <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Norwegia. So sorry to the continent of Norwegia. Continent country. <laughs> I know it was a joke. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I wasn't sure with the way the conversation. We need was to going. have a geography lesson. I feel like all of us do it. Okay, you uh, thought Malaysia was over by Hawaii, so. I knew it was an island. I just didn't know where. And first off, Hawaii is like closer to Japan than America, isn't it? It's like way. Didn't over you think there. it was so, somewhere like crazy? I don't know. I was very drunk. Europe. That you thought it was by Europe. <laughs> oh, that was the that was the fall asleep in the chair. Right? Yeah, yeah. That was the night. Yeah, I was very drunk. Anyway, I'm so sorry. All right. Anyway, so credit bank and bank. Got it. Very popular bank in the middle of Stockholm, basically. So, of course, this got a lot of attention. So he fired the machine gun. Party has just begun. He took three hostages, all three female, and made demands. He wanted three million Swedish crowns, which is worth about four million dollars today. And for Clark Olofsson, who to be brought to him. I was right. I felt right. What? The pronunciation. Okay. Olofsson. <laughs> Olofsson. <laughs> you both were like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Sounds about right. Um, he also demanded bulletproof vests, helmets, and a fast car. So he wanted Clark to be brought to him. Clark was in prison at the time. He was notorious for bank robberies. He escaped prison several times. And he was very handsome and charismatic. Well known in the media because he was known for taunting authorities in his interviews. He was described as a scruffy Scandinavian mixture of Jesse James and Warren Beatty. This man who is robbing the bank, basically, his name is Jan Eric Olsen. And he used to be cellmates with Clark. So he's making these demands. Police entered immediately due to a silent alarm. Jan opened fire, injuring the hand of the police officer. And then he ordered the other officer to sit in a chair and sing something. So the officer started singing. What did he sing? Uh, They told me, but it wasn't a song I knew, so I didn't write it down. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) So that's how they figured out who this was. Jan was a convicted criminal who had disappeared while on furlough from prison. And he wanted Clark, his buddy, to be brought to him, who was still in prison at the time for robberies. You can be furloughed from prison? Yeah, I didn't look really into I'm so sorry. I'll stop asking. (laughs) I didn't look really into the Swedish prison system. Um, But yeah, he was basically out of prison and wanted his buddy to be brought out of prison to him. So, like I said, this was in a very popular part of town. So, police, reporters, photographers, spectators, they all filled the square outside the bank. It was broadcast live on TV for everyone to watch. And the prime minister himself called Clark in prison and told him, hey, he's asking for you. What do you think we should do? And he said, get me out. He's like, and I listened to an interview with him and he was like, what was I supposed to say? I'm in prison. I was in isolation. Like, get me out. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a very controversial decision um, because they did bring him to the bank because basically you're releasing a dangerous criminal notorious for bank robberies into an ongoing bank robbery with hostages and you're just sending him out. So it sounds like there was kind of a miscommunication. He was supposed to be brought as like a bargaining chip and hanging back with the police. And the police were going to be like, we brought Clark for you. You need to give us the hostages. 
But Clark talks a lot about this, how there was such a breakdown in communication with the police during that time that one police officer, he was with two police officers, and one thought he was supposed to go in and one thought he was supposed to stay out. And so while they were arguing, Clark just took advantage of the situation and, like, ran past them and ran into the building. Mm, Wow. (laughs) And he was like, I knew in that time they're not going to shoot a bank robber. He's like, I was unarmed. He's like, I knew they weren't going to shoot me. And he was like, and I saw that that was my way to get away. So he took it. Okay. Basically, he was delivered within a few hours. They also brought a blue Ford Mustang with a full tank of gas. But the police were like, look, you can have this car. Fine. But you cannot leave with the hostages. You have to leave the hostages here. If you guys want to leave, go. You know. Mm -hmm. Quotation marks. Um, We won't do anything about it. Right. Also, I want a blue Ford Mustang with a full tank of gas. (laughs) So Clark talks about Mm -hmm. how as soon as he got in, he saw that the three hostages were bound. They had their wrists bound. And he gets in. He was like, Jan, what are you doing? Like, we need to unbind them. Like, keep them. But, like, you're terrifying them. And, like, he said, I went in. I tried to calm the situation down immediately. And that's kind of how they started to... Like him. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of sounded almost like good cop, bad cop. Mm-hmm. So then they moved them to the inner main vault, barricaded themselves inside. But before they did that, let me back up. So he unbound them. And then he was like, I'm going to take a sweep of the bank and make sure there's nobody else here, blah, blah, blah. And he found one employee who was hiding. And it was a male. Sven is his name. And so that became the Love fourth it. hostage. <clears throat> so now they have four hostages. They have three females and a male. So they're all barricaded in the inner main vault. So Clark, they had access to phones, like the hostages. This went on for six days. The hostages were giving interviews over the phone to reporters. They were calling their family members. Clark called the prime minister, who was Olaf Palm at the time. And he said, I will kill the hostages. He even backed up his threat by grabbing one in a stranglehold. Hostage negotiators were involved. This went on for, like I said, six days. It's a long time. It is a long time for a hostage situation. Um, so Kristen in March, she's one of the hostages. She was 23 at the time. She called the prime minister and said that she was very displeased with his attitude and asked him to let the robbers and the hostages leave. She begged him to let her go with the robbers in the escape car. She wanted to go with Clark. She and Clark had a really tight bond and we'll talk about that in a second. She was quoted as saying, I fully trust Clark and the robber. I am not desperate. They haven't done a thing to us. On the contrary, they have been very nice, but you know, Olaf. What I am scared of is that the police will attack and cause us to die. Sidebar. She called the prime minister by his first name, just casually. <laughs> like, it'd be like me being like, you know, Donald. You know, things are very cash <laughs> in Sweden, apparently. Hey, Don. <laughs> it works for them. <laughs> hey, big man, Donnie. Donnie Trump. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. Don't kill me, Donald. D. Trump. Come on. <laughs> so Clark talks a lot about in his interview um, that he kind of was, he talked a lot about the police and how they were manipulative and stuff. And he was being very manipulative with them, like almost turning them against the police. And so the hostages talk about this in interviews afterwards that they didn't trust the police. They thought the police were going to hurt them. They were like, we don't think the police really cared about our safety. They were more concerned about arresting them and getting them out. The police drilled a hole into the main vault from the apartment above and took pictures of the hostages <clears throat> and Clark because they wanted to check on them, see how they were doing. Clark fired his gun into the hole on two occasions, wounding a police officer in the hand and face. He also threatened to kill hostages if a gas attack was attempted. Guess what they did? Uh, gas attack? They gas attacked them <laughs> anyways yeah, after tempting. he threatened to kill the hostages. Jeez. 
Um, so on August 28th, six days after the uh, hostage situation began, the robbers surrendered after police mounted a tear gas attack. They basically put it in through all the holes they had been drilling. It took one hour for them to surrender. None of the hostages sustained any permanent injuries. So the police called for the hostages to come out first. But the four captives protected their abductors to the end and refused. Kristen and Mark yelled, no, Jan and Clark go first. You'll gun them down if we do. Because they were like, if we come out first, yeah, then you guys got the hostages. You can just like shoot them. But if they go in front of us, you're not going to shoot at them because we're behind them. Oh, yeah. So in the doorway of the vault, the convicts and the hostages embraced, kissed, and shook hands. As the police seized the two captors, two hostages started crying and said, don't hurt, uh, don't hurt them. They did not harm us. When Kristen was wheeled away in a stretcher, you can see, like, on video, she's sitting up and she's looking around through all the crowds and she sees Clark and she says, Clark, I will see you again. Yes. So, Jan, <coughs> the one who started all of this, he got 10 years for robbery. Clark was ultimately acquitted because he had no part to play in this. He yeah, said, they brought him there. He was like, I was brought there by you guys, by the police and the prime minister. And he's like, I was put into this situation. I tried to defuse it as much as I could. And... Like, what did you expect me to do, basically? I mean, he kind of did defuse the situation. And he said his only goal was to keep the hostages in the situation calm. Um, and nobody, what, none of the hostages would testify against him. Okay. Are we ready to hear this? Yes. Let's see what it says. Credit Bunken. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> Credit I told Bunken. you he's, he's straight up Norwegian. I mean, we almost nailed it. I, we didn't, roll the, we didn't roll the R's. I You're actually, like making it sound like a song. <laughs> I physically cannot roll my R's, but really? I cannot do it. Credit Bunken. Credit Bunken. Okay. I, wow. Strong work. Good job. Okay. I've, I've been around him for a long time, so I picked up on some things. <laughs> <laughs> so Clark and Kristen and Mark met up several times after the robbery and their families became close friends. <clears throat> Both men went on to commit further crimes, so they didn't really learn their lesson. After their release, uh, the four hostages continued to defend their captors. They would not testify in court against them and raised money for their defense. The police were perceived to have acted with little care for their safety of the hostages. Clark said later in an interview, It was the hostages' fault. They did everything I told them to. If they hadn't, I might not be here now. Why didn't any of them attack me? They made it hard to kill. They made us go on living together day after day like goats in that filth. There was nothing to do but get to know each other. So there's reports of Clark draping a jacket over one of the hostages when she began to shiver, soothing her when she had a bad dream, gave her a bullet from his gun as a keepsake, consoled another hostage when she couldn't reach her family by phone. Um, One of the hostages was claustrophobic, and they tied a rope around her, waist and allowed her to walk outside the vault and she said i remember thinking that they were very kind to allow me to leave the vault um one of the hostages is quoted as saying i'm not the least bit afraid of clark and the other guy i'm afraid of the police do you understand i trust them completely believe it or not we've had a really nice time here (laughs) well that sounds like stockholm syndrome Sven, the male, um, the male hostage, Sven Safstrom, said, When he treated us well, we would think of him as an emergency god. Clark threatened to shoot Sven in the leg once to shake up the police. And Sven reported, How kind I thought he was for saying it was just my leg he would shoot. <laughs> Kristen Imhark tried to convince her fellow hostage to take the bullet, saying, But Sven, it's just in the leg. Gosh, this sounds like a Canadian bank robbery, too. <laughs> 
Yes, it does. Everybody's friends. So by well, Sweden, you, you Sweden is known to, to be that. really like nice. Yes, and, they are. Yeah, they're very nice. Yeah, Sweden's the new Canada. It's just your We've leg. got some things to learn. <laughs> Seriously. Um, by day two of the hostage situation, they were on first name basis with their captors and feared the police more. The police commissioner even came to inspect their health and noticed that the hostages were hostile to him, but relaxed with the gunmen. One of the hostages, um, so the hostages were taken to the hospital. They were there for like 10 days being evaluated by doctors, psychiatrists, all of this, because they were all acting weird. And so one of the hostages asked the psychiatrist in the hospital, is there something wrong with me? Why don't I hate them? <laughs> yeah, you ask a good question. So, <clears throat> so what is there they want was a bank? What's the big deal? A psychiatrist and a criminologist named Niles Bergeron, and he was like, "Hmm, hmm." So he assisted the Stockholm police. So yes, <laughs> he was like his his brains the the wheels in his brain were turning. So he assisted the Stockholm police and studied the interactions between the four hostages and their captors, and described it as a form of brainwashing. So the theory for Stockholm Syndrome was later studied and elaborated on in Sweden and the U.S., specifically with the FBI, and they called it a type of terror bonding. It's a tendency of a hostage to sympathize with, identify with, or form powerful bonds with their captor. When the police were drilling near the vault, they put microphones so they could listen in and see what was going on. And they have been studying these interactions, which has kind of helped them come up with Stockholm Syndrome. It's not in the DSM, which is, you know, the DSM for mental health diet. Because there's a lack of consistent body of academic research into it, uh, it's extremely rare. The FBI estimates fewer than 5% of kidnapping victims show any evidence of it. There are four key components. One, the hostage develops positive feelings towards their captor. Two, there's no previous relationships between the hostage and the captor. Three, a refusal by hostages to cooperate with police forces and other government authorities unless the captors themselves happen to be members of those forces or authorities. And four, a hostage's belief in the humanity of the captor because they cease to perceive the captor as a threat when the victim holds the same values as the aggressor. <clears throat> and other elements that are key to Stockholm Syndrome, there's attachment and love on the part of the hostage for the captor and also reverse when the kidnapper starts to reciprocate and begins to care about them. And both parties have mutual contempt for the outside world. So kind of what Clark was doing, he made them fear the police and not trust the police and was like, they're not out for your best interests, kind of manipulating them. So they started to trust him and he was nice to them, let them call their families and covered them up when they were cold and win them over. Yeah. And then he's talked about in interviews as well that he cared for them as well because someone asked him in an interview, they're like, were you manipulating them or did you actually care for them? And he's like, it was both. He's like, I was manipulating them, but then I actually grew to care for them. So um, (laughs) Stockholm Syndrome, it's also been found in victims of sexual abuse, human trafficking, and any kind of terror, political, or religious oppression. Um, And there's a couple cases about it, too, that I might talk about later. I kind of brought this up. I'm kind of surprised it's only 5%. I feel like it Mm -hmm. would be more. Have you guys seen that crazy movie on Netflix right now called 365 DNI? It's very racy. No, I I have have not. not. I've heard about it, but I have not seen it, and I don't plan on it. (laughs) Right. Well, basically, she's um, kidnapped or abducted and ends up falling in love with her Mm -hmm abductor there's a lot more that goes into it but it's a lot about this it's all like beauty and the beast stuff yeah the original stockholm but this is a lot more like sexual and rough yes (laughs) it's like a 50 shades of gray oh but worse there's there's parts 
Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> There's parts. Yes. <laughs> um, Don't watch with your kids, is what I'm trying to say. So, <laughs> my other thing that I will just plug in, there's a really good episode on Criminal, the podcast Criminal, uh-huh. called Hostage, from April 2019, that talks about this, and they interview Clark Ooh, uh, cool. in the podcast. And so, a lot of this is, I listened to it and kind of heard his words, and they're both living the straight lives now. Jan is somewhere in Thailand. Clark, I believe, is still in Sweden, but they're older now. They're both yeah. living the straight and narrow. But yeah, they've both talked about it. The hostages have written books about it. That's cool. So that is how we came up with Stockholm Syndrome. Very I'm not interesting. going to try to say what it was originally called in Swedish. But <laughs> it got... You want me to ask him that, too? <laughs> Normalmstrong. Because it was in the normal strong square in Stockholm. But then they just made it Stockholm Syndrome. Tweet. Nice work. Thank you. Very cool. I just was like looking for interesting cases and came across an article about, you know, Stockholm Syndrome. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. I never knew anything about it other than like what we know about it. Okay. That sounded real stupid. <laughs> I didn't know the history behind Stockholm Syndrome. I didn't know Stockholm it until I knew. <laughs> I didn't know the history behind it, but now I know. I didn't know the history either. So very cool. So you brought us up on a really good high because nobody died. And you're going to bring this back down. Oh boy, here we go. I am going to have to make my, usually with disclaimers, I'm like, well, this is a true crime episode. Like, you know, expect some not some not so great stuff. But I'm going to make a my first disclaimer mm-hmm. because this, I don't know how I stumbled across this topic, but if you are sensitive to uh, topics dealing with child abuse, oh. just... Just know that that's what this is going to be about. But I do feel strongly that this is a story that should be heard. Is this Gabriel Hernandez? Nope. Okay. She's been trying to get me to watch this on Netflix forever. And I told her I don't want to cry. Fernandez. Fernandez. Yes, you should. Because his story should be heard. I also feel strongly that his story should be heard. I agree. I know. And it is terrible. So this one I, I feel like should be heard as well. So this is the death of Candace Newmaker. And let's just get into it. Let's okay. do, let's honor, let's honor Candace. I'm ready. Candace Elmore was born November 18th, 1989 in Lincolnton, North Carolina to parents Todd and Angela Elmore. Todd reportedly had a particularly volatile persona and was in and out of the picture. Candace was taken by social services after she scraped uh, her back, according to her mother. This was when she fell down some stairs, but she was... uh, soon returned to Angela, her mom, but this didn't last. Candace was at daycare one day when Angela and her own mother, Mary, had a huge fight and Mary took off with the car. Angela had no way to pick up Candace and apparently didn't have a phone to call the daycare and let them know what happened and that she wouldn't be able to pick her up. So no one comes for Candace and social services is called. According to Angela, it was because of this when she was five, Candace and her younger brother and sister were removed from the home due to concerns for child mm. neglect, and the children were separated. Parental rights were terminated, and not long after, she was adopted. She ended up being adopted by then 42-year-old Jean Newmaker, a single pediatric nurse practitioner in Durham, North Carolina. Jean had longed for affection both to give it and to get it. It had been her dream to get to make somebody happy and to cradle uh, a child. 
of her own, um, but this isn't the child that she adopted, apparently. It didn't take long for issues to arise. Candace was apparently angry and defiant and didn't want her adopted adoptive mother's love and affection. Jean started to take Candace to a psychiatrist within months of the adoption, complaining about her behavior and attitude at home. Candace would be treated with several medications and with therapy through multiple therapists. There were several different diagnoses, some of which were depression, PTSD, ADD, and lots of experimentation through medications. But reportedly, her behavior just got worse during the following few years where she began playing with matches and killing pet goldfish and was quote-unquote assaultive. Was she wetting the bed? It does not say. I'm just thinking of the triangle. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Jean came across a new buzzword in the adoption and fostering community at the time of attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. And just like how it sounds, the term describes a child's inability to bond with their new parents. So Jean went to an attachment disorder workshop filled out an inventory sheet on Candace's behavior and discovered that her attachment disorder seemed to be severe. She was referred to a Connell Watkins with the Attachment Center at Evergreen, one of the best-known attachment treatment clinics in the country, located in Evergreen, Colorado. Watkins was an unlicensed psychotherapist and her mentor, Dr. Foster Klein, are said to be Colorado's pioneers in attachment disorder. Oh, gosh. So when when Candace was 10, she and Jean traveled from North Carolina to Evergreen, Colorado in April of 2000 for a $7,000 two-week intensive session of attachment therapy with Connell Watkins. Therapy began on April 10th when Candace met with a psychiatrist who works with the attachment center. Her medications she had been taking previously were changed repeatedly in the two weeks before her death. Just before arriving, Jean took her off her dexedrine, which is an amphetamine used to combat her ADD. The psychiatrist she saw there stopped her effexor, which is an antidepressant. On April 11th, her dose of risperidol, which is a calming medication, was doubled. Jean told investigators that this antipsychotic medication was to counteract her history of assaultive behavior, but again, she did not provide any specifics on this behavior. So Jean and Candace were hosted by Britta St. Clair, which was Watkins' office manager, and Britta lived with her fiancé, Jack McDaniel. And McDaniel was a high school graduate with no medical or therapy training. He was to be paid $700 to participate and write a report about Candace's two weeks there. Britta dispensed the medications to Candace daily. Watkins later told investigators that the drugs made Candace have, quote, a a look in her eye like nobody's home. A week into the therapy, they had a breakthrough during something called compression therapy. So Candace was wrapped in a sheet, her head exposed... She was li- she was directed to lie down on the floor. Two couch cushions were placed on either side of her, and Jean laid across the cushions and Candace making a cross with their bodies. The goal was for control and for Candace to be compliant and for Jean to be in charge. And if all went well, Candace would connect visually or in some other way with Jean, according to the therapist. And um, we're using the term therapist lightly because 
None of them are licensed. Unlicensed, yep. Um, after a three-hour session, Candace was unwrapped and Jean moved to a chair. The therapist... Three hours. She laid on her for three hours? Mm-hmm. Jesus. The therapist told Candace to crawl to the chair and to lie in her mother's arms and to let her feed her from a plate. And Candace j- did just that. She looked into Jean's eyes and let Jean hold her. And Jean was so happy that she began to sob uncontrollably. On April 18th was a rebirthing session. This is how I know about this. Yep. This is sounding familiar. During the rebirthing and in an attempt to simulate the birth canal, the patient is tightly wrapped in a sheet and laid under a pile of pillows weighed down by the therapist. The patient must then wriggle out of the sheet and pillows, thus being reborn into the arms of their loving parents. They say that they had used this therapy on about uh, six other patients and it had been successful. Um, Watkins would say that the rebirthing technique was designed to bring out repressed rage within the patient. And another, quote, therapist from California named Julie Ponder was also involved in this session. As well as Watkins and their host family, Britta, and her fiance, Jack. And then Jean was there as well. And as well as the other sessions, this took place in Watkins' home office with video and audio rolling, which is excellent because this would help later convict everybody. Yeah, definitely. Julie Ponder noticed Candace yawning and calls her out, and Candace tells her that she was having nightmares last night about being murdered. Julie reassures her and then asks if she is ready to be reborn to her new mom, to which Candace replies that she does want to do that and that she wants to be safe. And then Ponder starts to tell her about being reborn. She says that being a baby is hard and that being born is hard. She says that you must scream and cry because that's how a baby does it. Then you must look for your mother reach out for her womb. She tells her that she will have lots of oxygen to breathe, which will later be a huge lie. They have Candace lay down on a queen-size flannel sheet. She lays on her left side in the fetal position and Ponder wraps her tightly, gathering all four corners at her head and twists them together. Watkins enters the room, props four large pillows against her body. Jean and Jack and Britta come in. They have Jean near her head where she's supposed to emerge. So she's able to speak to her and she knows that's the direction she's supposed to head. Um, Watkins is at her feet. Britta is at her knees, Jack is at her chest, and Ponder is at her head. So these four adults weigh a cumulative 673 pounds, and they begin pushing against this 70-pound little girl. Ponder tells her to imagine herself as a teeny little baby inside her mother's womb and what it felt like, warm, tight, because her stomach was all around her. In a minute, she asked Candace what she thought about when she was in the womb, and Candace replied that she thought she was going to die. Jean chimes in and says that she was that she's so excited that she's going to have a brand new baby and that she hopes it's a girl. She says she's going to love her and to hold her and tell her stories and that she's going to keep her very safe. Candace just replies, "Uh uh-huh, and when asked how that makes her feel, she simply says, happy. Watkins says, if the baby doesn't decide to be born, she will die. When the baby decides to be born, it's a wonderful thing. To which Ponder says, so baby, are you ready to be reborn? I hate this so much. (laughs) And Candace just says, "Uh uh-huh. 
So Ponder tells her to come out head first and to push really hard with her feet. She tells her that if she stays in there, that she will die and that mommy will die. Gosh. Eight minutes in, Candace asks who is sitting on her and says that she can't do it. Almost nine minutes in, Candace starts to cry and says she can't do it. And Watkins just says that it sometimes takes up to 18 hours to be born. Oh my gosh, no. Nine and a half minutes in, Candace starts screaming over and over that she can't do it and that she can't breathe. And at 10 minutes, she says, whoever's pushing on my head, it's not helping. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. I can't breathe. It's too dark in here. Please quit pushing on my head. I can't do it. Somebody's sitting on top of me. At 11 and a half minutes in, she's screaming that she's going to die. And Ponder says, do you want to be reborn or do you want to stay in there and die? At 11 minutes and 40 seconds, Candace says to quit pushing on her and moans, please, please quit squashing my legs. She screams that she's going to die now and Ponder asks if she wants to die and Candace says no, but she's about to. 12 minutes is full of her pleading and telling them that she can't breathe and to get off of her. And then 13 minutes, Candace says that she needs help. She screams, help, help me, please. And she's ignored. And Watkins just says, are you feeling the contractions, mom? And Jean says that she is. Candace asks where is she supposed to go. She's confused at this point. She screams and pleads and says that she's dying and that she's sorry. 14 minutes, Candace says that she's dying, that she's going to die. And at 15, she says now that she wants to die, that is. 16 minutes, Candace says, can you guys let me have some oxygen? You mean like you want me to die for real? And Ponder replies, "Uh uh-huh. And Candace clarifies, like, die right now and go to heaven. And Ponder says, go ahead and die right now, for real. 17 minutes, there is labored breathing. And Candace says that she is sick and tells people to get off and is confused on where to get out. Watkins tells her to just go ahead and die. It's easier. It takes a lot of courage to be born. 19 minutes, Candace throws up on herself, and at 21 minutes, she defecates. Watkins tells her to go ahead and stay in there with the poop and the vomit. At 23 minutes, Candace screams out for help, says she can't breathe, and that it's hot. Jean replies that she's so excited to have this baby that she's waiting for her to love her and to hold her. And Ponder just tells Candace to scream more. Candace tells Ponder no. And Jean is still going on in the background saying, Baby, I love you already. I'll hold you and I'll love you and I'll keep you safe forever. The adults keep repositioning themselves. Candace grows less and less responsive. Watkins and Ponder remark on the depletion of air in the sheet and how she's stuck in there in her own vomit. Watkins remarks that it's her own life and that she's a quitter. And at 40 minutes, Candace's last words would be, No. They continue to taunt her, calling her a quitter, saying that she's used to being everyone else's problems. Finally, Watkins and Ponder have Britta and Jack leave, as well as Jean, who's now upset because it appears that her child doesn't want to be reborn to her. They go out of the room to watch the remainder of the session on a TV screen. The two chat about their dream homes and a multi-million dollar property nearby, before Watkins says, let's unwrap the little twerp. They unwrap Candace and find her motionless. Watkins looked at her and said, Oh, there she is, sleeping in her vomit. Jean rushes into the room and found that she wasn't breathing and begins CPR. They call 911. Medics arrived and were met by Jack in the driveway, who told them that they had left her alone for five minutes and that she wasn't breathing. They found her with vomit on her face, a smear of blood around her nose. Uh, She was blue and cold at the touch. 
essentially giving them the idea that she had been unconscious and not breathing for some time. They get a faint pulse back and airlift Candace to the Children's Hospital in Denver, where she is pronounced brain dead the following day and dies from brainstem herniation and cerebral edema, which was brought on by mechanical asphyxiation. The doctor wrote that she was smothered when she was restrained during therapy session, and that's how she died. So, Britta and Jack pled guilty to criminally negligent child abuse and were given 10 years probation and 1,000 hours community service in a plea bargain. Jean uh, pled guilty to neglect and child abuse, and was given a four-year suspended sentence, after which the charges were expunged from her record. Watkins and Ponder were... How does that get expunged from your record? Mm, Good lawyers. Watkins and Ponder were tried and convicted of reckless child abuse, resulting in death, and received a 16-year prison sentence. However, Watkins was paroled in 2008 under intense supervision with restrictions on contact with children or counseling work. She only served seven years of her 16-year sentence. And that is the... And the other one's still in prison? Yep. Terrible, awful, tragic death of a beautiful child, Candace Newmaker. Wow. Um, Thank you so much for that. Well... Want to talk about Stockholm Syndrome again? It's awful. Yeah, so they have a whole... um, It goes on for some time. Somebody's literally 40 minutes. The whole session was 70 minutes. Tell me you can't watch it. You can't watch it, but the whole transcript is on the internet. It's awful. Poor baby. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. And, I mean, I just feel like child abuse is something that needs to be at the forefront of everybody's brain you there are signs sometimes they're just right in your face and sometimes they're really subtle Mm -hmm. um and sometimes they they happen like this but um and ones you might be able to i don't know if it's even you know a conversation to have but their therapy i think is an excellent thing for anybody to have i think therapy is excellent however uh, the choice of a therapist is an important one, and uh, it's really important to do your research. Yes, and also important to go to a licensed therapist because we have licenses and stuff to keep us accountable. That's why there's licenses in place. Yeah. That sounds like a very controversial form of therapy anyhow. And if somebody's going to be practicing that, then I really feel like there maybe should be like a safe word. There's something like well, that. There is, there is attachment therapy um, that is taught, but obviously rebirthing. I'm talking about the rebirthing Rebirthing business. has been outlawed, obviously. God. Yeah, so after this, it's something called Candace's Law. And especially in North Carolina, where Candace is from, and in Colorado, where this took mm-hmm. place, it's mm-hmm. for sure outlawed there. And then in some states, um, they have taken this on as well as it's it's illegal there. It's not Gosh, federal, so. though. Yes. Wow. But unfortunately, there has been lots of, I mean, we've talked about it before, mental health practices that were inhumane, and this is one of them. This is definitely one of the extreme ones. Yeah. Did you learn about this in school? Um, We learned about it in school briefly, but also through fostering and foster parent classes and stuff like that, yes. We learned a lot about attachment theories and attachment treatment and therapy. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's several unfortunate deaths that happen with kids in foster care due to attachment therapy. 
Well, sad. I'm not sure how to climb out of that hole. That's horrific. <sighs> thank you, thank you, Boydston. <laughs> I I gave him a warning. You did. you did. So also have no idea how I came upon that story. Yeah. But when I saw it, I was like, I have to talk about this. And yeah. there's a law and order about it too. There is. There's actually two episodes, mm-hmm. two separate episodes about it. With the kid with Rad, the reactive attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Lindsay falling down the stair. <laughs> Should we just go ahead and tell the story? <laughs> I don't know. I want to go back to my happy place. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and tell it. So you're going to de- tell the story at the very end of the episode when people are depressed. <laughs> yeah, those that actually stuck around, you get a preview. We'll just do like a little snippet. Yeah. So here's here's a little quick rundown. Yes, she had been drinking. No, she was not drunk. <laughs> However, yes, she had there been drinking. There's a difference. I was the DD that night, so I'd had a couple drinks. I keep telling you, stop telling people that. <laughs> no, I had had a couple drinks. This was way before we left. A couple means two. Literally. <laughs> I'd had... Okay. You, don't, you don't have to include that part. Okay. Lindsay had been drinking that night. <laughs> I had had a couple. I had had, I keep saying a couple. I had had a few drinks. <laughs> okay. Um, we get it. We were coming down some concrete stairs in the basement and. I had gone first and. Poison had gone first. I nailed the stairs. <laughs> Good job. I thought that there, there was, was only a- one step down. I didn't realize there was like three steps down. So I <laughs> went down the two. first, whatever. I went down the first step, <laughs> thought I was on the ground level. And just went to walk, and there was another step. So I rolled my left ankle, and not only rolled it, like rolled it and then fell on the ground, and I'm laying on the ground. Like flew to the side, arms and hair in the air. sprawled out. (laughs) Cartwheeled to the ground. She makes a loud splat sound. And these two jerks. Because we're in a group. Like, we're still in a group at this point. We're ghost hunting. We're still in a group of about, what, like 10? <laughs> these two jerks start laughing at me hysterically like they're doing now. And everyone else in the group is like, oh, my goodness, are you okay? And I'm laying on Sarah's the ground. Sarah's trying to help her up. I'm still laughing. Then no, I turn she around. She wasn't even trying to help me up yet. I'm laying on the ground. And they're all like, are you okay? And you two are laughing. And I'm like... Not really, no. <laughs> and then I had to tell Sarah, I said, help me up. <laughs> and I grabbed her hands and she's still laughing so hard that she tried to pull me up and it didn't work. And I said, Sarah, <laughs> I said, help me up. <laughs> like I wanted to yell at her and be like, my ankle really hurts. <laughs> No, for the record, I said, "Are you okay?" You did after I was standing up, and you then you guys both were like, "Are you guys okay?" And I said, "You guys are horrible nurses. You're not even checking on me." To which she did not tell us about her ankle. So then I turned around to the group who's still staring at us, and I say, "It's okay. She trips at work all the time. She's very clumsy." I am very clumsy. So I had to explain her. And I think I'd even told you, like, probably two weeks ago when I was walking in my garage. Yes, that's what I was picturing. To go head. to work. I was walking in my garage to go to work. Stone cold sober going to work. And I tripped over nothing. And, again, just fell. Didn't catch myself. And just fell in my garage. And I'm laying on the floor in my garage. I'm like, how do I get here? Do you know, have you seen that video of the girl that's walking in the movie theater? Like, walking kind of fast and trips and falls and the popcorn goes everywhere? So, I'll find it for you. So that is you. Anyways, I was okay the rest of the night. Like, I feel like I walked okay. I was kind of a little bit slow going up and down the stairs. And then we're driving home. I'm driving. And um, 
I think just like having my foot down and all the blood rushing down there, it started swelling and we get out to go to a gas station to go pee and I'm like hobbling out of the car and can barely walk on it. And I come around to Boyd's inside of the car and I'm like, look at this. And that's when you're like, oh yeah, it is swollen. <laughs> yep. And, and then the next night at work, she works and I'm not there. So then the next ne- next next night at work, so when you're there, when I'm there, one of the nurses comes to me and she's like basically accusing me that I wasn't helping Lindsay. And I was like, excuse me. First of all, she had been drinking. Second of all, I did ask her if she was okay. She had basically spun this whole thing as if we were big old assholes. I, did, I didn't know I you said needed they us laughed to get you at up. me. I did I'm laugh laying at on the ground and they didn't ask me if I was okay until after I had stood up and everybody else was like, are you okay? Strangers asked me if I was okay before my own friends asked me if I was okay. True friends will stand there and laugh at you (laughs) and then ask if you're okay. And so my friend at work, the one who was getting on to her, had to wrap my ankle for me every night this week because it was swelling up. And then I told her friend at work that she had actually, yes, she had been drinking because she had lied to her and said... I said I was sober. I did not know. Normally people don't need... Other people to pull them off the ground. That's why I didn't know to like lean over and reach to pull you up. My ankle was hurting. I didn't know. Here's some more of the story. Lindsay fell on her face and she was talking mad shit on us. I get it. Here's the moral of the story. Lindsay fell and rolled her ankle. Nobody. It was a dark room. Nobody saw you roll your ankle. And her hair fly in the air. I was supposed to know you rolled your ankle. I asked if you were okay. And I said, yeah, my ankle kind of hurts. You said, yes, I'm okay. Okay, I need you to look at I that. I told you stat, my ankle both of you. Look at your Anyways, video I sent you. This is why I need new friends, because they laughed at me before checking on me. You would have done the same when thing. When random strangers were asking if I was okay. Of course well, I have to. to. Of course I'm going to say I'm They're okay. not going to laugh at you. Of course I'm going to say I'm okay to these random strangers. I'm not going to, like, <laughs> be like, no, I'm not okay. I didn't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry I'm the worst in your opinion. <laughs> this is so mean. That's exactly what it looked like from my point of view. Okay, so you can laugh at that, but we can't laugh at that? It's, it was that extreme. I, if I was her friend, I would ask her if she was okay before I started laughing at her. It's like that other video you sent me today on TikTok. <laughs> I just start laughing at her right away. I'm like, that poor girl in her head. Uh, Ravenclaws and Hufflepuff, guys. You are experiencing the difference right here. Oh, dear. Oh, silly. Oh, see, Anyways, my ankle is still a little swollen, but I'm okay, guys. I feel better now. Thank you. Apparently, we still don't care about it. <laughs> I, Even though I'm I've sorry, asked her every day how her ankle was. That hurts. I didn't say you don't care about it now. I said you didn't care about it. You didn't care to ask me if I was okay. I asked within within three minutes. Thank you. Okay, within three minutes. I think okay. I think we asked. I think you're just upset because um we laughed initially. <laughs> and I think she's I embarrassed because she fell ground. in front of t- ten people. I know. And then they asked, and of course they're going to ask. They're strangers, right? I'm going to laugh first. <laughs> the strangers were They not don't laughing. have to see you tripping over nothing every single night at work. I'm very clumsy. I admit that. <laughs> I'm a very clumsy person. <laughs> we're going to put a poll up. Would you laugh at your friend first? Or would you help them up and ask them how they are? We should put that poll up right now. Okay. Yep. I think I will. <laughs> If you want to be my friend, please email us at thetipsyghost at gmail.com or send us your paranormal stories. You can always follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Tipsy Ghost as well and vote on our poll 
about how you would treat your friends. Real talk. If you've enjoyed <laughs> listening to this episode and all of our episodes, or most of them, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave us a, a nice review. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. We will catch you guys next week. And hopefully my ankle will be better by then. I sincerely hope so. I will send you flowers and a get well card because that's how much I care. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. We'll catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye -bye. Okay, bye. (laughs)